everybody. Welcome back to the Midnight Terrors podcast. I'm Kevin, and uh, I don't even think I—I I don't think I said my name in the last episode. By the way, I think I just jumped in and introduced uh, our guest co-host this week, uh, who is pretty much a co-host, like <laughs> a regular co-host at this point, with how much he's on. Our Jacob Honeybrook is back. What's up, brother? Yo, what's up, man? Thanks for having me again. Absolutely, man. We're doing a double header tonight, a '90s double feature, uh, and I'm in heaven because of that. We just talked about Idle Hands, one of the best movies ever, as people will find out when they listen to it. Uh, so we're back for some more 90s. How excited are you? Uh, I love the 90s. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it, was a great, it was a great time to be around, man. Like Stan Lee would say, enough said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we're going a couple years back. We were in 1999 for the last episode. Now we're in 1997 with i know what you did last summer uh spoiler alert i also love this movie i saw it very late in the game as i did with a lot of movies uh but this one if idle hands like had some 90s vibes to it with it being 1999 this one is like screaming 90s yeah, I know I said on the last one, I likened that to one of those late 90s, early 2000s teen movies, like yep. American Pie or whatever. This one is almost like a Dawson's Creek type of deal, <laughs> if if I can keep the comparisons going. Um, not as goofy, but definitely just dripping that 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 vibe of the time oh, in, yeah. in every sense, the cast, the style, the music, it's all there. So again, I, I picked this one as the double feature because it's 90s again, and it's a movie I've wanted to pick for a while on the show. But it also has like an unreasonably good soundtrack to it. <laughs> <laughs> so as sort of a precursor to the show that we're going to do together here coming up soon with Metalholics Anonymous, I wanted to like pick movies where we can talk about the movie mostly, but kind of talk about a little bit of the music just to like give people a little precursor. Although we tried that on the last episode and I think we started talking about little Nikki. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes that happens. <laughs> yeah. And you try to talk about metal and little Nikki comes into play. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I grew up with older sisters uh, and I remember these types of movies being on uh, in the house that when they would watch them, Idle Hands, I don't remember seeing, but I definitely remember I Know What You Did Last Summer, like at least appearing on the screen at some point or being talked about. Mm -hmm. See, I definitely, I'm kind of the opposite. I remember Idle Hands because my brother thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and my sister, who was like a genius, somehow likes the stupidest humor. So she would always watch Idle Hands with him and I'd watch it with them. And so I definitely remember that one being on. I Know What You Did Last Summer, I mean... Man, I remember it. I remember it just like being everywhere there yep. for a little bit. Um, I think I saw it probably at least 20 years ago. Yeah. But I mean, that was so long ago. I don't really remember much about it. And I want to say I saw, I know what you did last summer too. There was like a subway part to it. In uh, the sequel? Yeah. Yeah, I still know what you did last summer. The only thing I ever remember about I still know what you did last summer is that it's in the it's in like Hawaii and Jack Black's in it as like a stoner guy. Jack Black's in it? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> see, I looked up a quick synopsis of it to see it because I, I could swear I've seen that one. 
And it, I, I don't know. It didn't sound familiar, but I remember a guy with a hook in a subway. Might have been Candyman. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Um, a lot of guys with hooks running around out there. Yeah, right? Just a common occurrence. But uh, this movie, I don't know if you experienced this ever, but even if you didn't see something at its prime or when it came out, it can still make you feel nostalgic. Mm-hmm. This movie is that for me. This was like when this came out, I would have been. I was born in 92, so this was 97. I would have been like four or something Mm -hmm. when it came out. But it still like reminds me of just everything I would have been like taking in at that time in my life. And like just flipping back to like seeing my sisters like be into this stuff at that time. Um, and like think... the, mu- the music around me and just the vibe of the nineties. Mm-hmm. I think what that is is almost like secondhand nostalgia. Cause Pretty I get much. like that. I get like that with stuff from the eighties because my brother and sister, they were born in 82 and 83. So a lot of what they grew up with was passed down to me. So, you know, all the Thundercats toys and Ghostbusters and, yep. you know, wrestling from that era. I kind of got all of that through them. And I experienced it, you know, later, later than it happened, but, you know, I still was into it. So when I see stuff from the eighties like that, I'm like, man, that really takes me back. Even though I was only around in the eighties for like a year. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, one of my favorite things to do as a kid with my, my grandfathers and grandparents as a whole was listen to all their stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially with my, my grandfather on my mom's side, um, he like we always had this thing where i would go into the garage and he would smoke cigarettes and he would tell me a bunch of stories nice and that always made me feel like i was there like kind of going through his life Mm -hmm. and i feel like movies and music are good at that sometimes where you can feel nostalgic about it even if you weren't even born yet Mm -hmm. and this one but i was alive at this time and this kind of like helps me reminisce on the 90s and even where I was at that time you know even being as little as I was I just feel nostalgic for it and I feel like I know what you did last summer is a really good like fun snapshot of the mid to late 90s yeah and I've heard stuff like that too when people listen it was specifically it was a video or an article or something specifically talking about pop punk from that era Mm -hmm. from like 98 99 like why somebody's a like an early 20s guy today can listen to that and still feel nostalgic for 1998. And I forget exactly what it said, but there's a certain feeling or whatever in the music that can just put people in a certain spot. And it made a lot of sense because different forms of media can put you different places. Like you think watching a horror movie puts you in a certain place mentally you know, then watching a romance movie would put you in a place mentally. So it makes sense that something that is so much a product of its time can really put you back in that era. Exactly. Um, And boy, does this movie do that right out of the gate because (laughs) first note, and I texted you this earlier, typo negative opens the movie with a cover of Summer Breeze. I was not expecting to hear typo negative. <laughs> I got to be honest. I was like, wait, wait, is that typo negative? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I'm not even like a, like a typo negative fan, but I love this cover though of, of this song. Yeah. I'm the same way. Um, 
it's not that I don't like them. I just never really got heavy, heavily into them. Same. I think they were one of those bands that was probably a little before our time. I know they were big in like mm-hmm. the mid-90s. You see Peter Steele on the daytime talk shows and stuff. I mean, dude's got an back. iconic singing voice for sure. He's got an iconic singing voice, an iconic look. I mean, he pretty much... <clears throat> I mean, I don't, I'm not really an expert on gothic rock but i know that typo negative was huge in that sphere and Mm -hmm. i mean just looking that it was in a blockbuster movie like this shows that they really took it to the next level oh yeah um with their band and uh looking at the cast list too i also wrote 90s af because jennifer love hewitt sarah michelle geller johnny galecki freddie prince jr and ryan philippi or philippe however you say his name Mm mm-hmm insanity <laughs> yeah and again it goes back to what i said about like a dawson's creek feeling like i'm pretty sure at one point they were all on some kind of teen drama back then like 90210 oh, yeah. or whatever and uh i mean so when the when the movie gets going again like this just feels 90s too this we open with typo negative playing and we see this guy sitting on the rocks where like the big like accident happens uh and it's kind of, it's pretty eerie actually um and then we cut to this amazing looking fourth of july party yeah like, <laughs> like and yeah. this town that they live in i i know they show the address and what state it's in but like i would always i've always loved the idea of living in like one of these fishing like harbor towns yeah, right. I've always thought that too, whether it's on like the New England coast mm-hmm. or I, I remember I saw a show back in the day. It was in the Pacific Northwest. There was a bunch of fishing towns up there. It just looks so cool. Yeah. I love like just hearing like later on, um, Jennifer Love Hewitt's mom is talking about like, oh, it's fishing season and we wanted this kind of fish, but we got this instead. Um, and I actually, it's funny side note, I hated seafood growing up. And I'm Yum. only recently I'm only recently getting into seafood and now I'm like <laughs> loving trying new things there. We were down in St. Augustine, Florida at the end of the summer last year, and we had some dope ass like fish over there and some okay. really good crab. So now I'm really enjoying seafood. So I would I would love to live in one of these like New England fishing mm-hmm. towns where it's like fresh off the water. Well, you know, they shot the scenes in the town right in your neck of the woods, man. North Carolina. Yeah, North Carolina. I remember uh, we had Tyler from Scream the Fan Favorite say that his intro to horror was when he heard that they were shooting a movie in his area. And it was I Know What You Did Last Summer, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that brings me to a point I want to bring up before we got into it as well is um, back in the day, I used to always get this one mixed up with the Scream movies. That's fair. And I was looking at it, and apparently the same person wrote the screenplay for each one. Yeah, Kevin Williamson. Okay. And there's some screamisms in here, a little bit, um, but not as much. And this was this movie, I feel like gets unfairly hated on as like a scream ripoff or something, and it's really not. Like, it's a slasher with some nods to some other horror stuff, but Scream is like meta throughout this only just has a few like little easter eggs in there you know what i mean right screams like a love letter to horror movies of the past almost this is this feels like more that it's trying to be its own self-contained story well you said it best it's like it's like dawson's creek but with a slasher 
thing in here. Yeah, pretty it's much. like a nod. It's like a nod to the '90s teen culture, like the shows and the movies of that era. Like it's like can hardly wait, but with a slasher. <laughs> <laughs> I think we uh, need to make that movie now. We do, right? Well, speaking but, uh, of that too, I read uh, Melissa Joan Hart was cast to play one of the roles in this, but she turned it down. Oh, really? Uh huh. Oh wow, that would have just crazy. added to it too. I know, right? Love um, explains it all. Yeah, I also <laughs> have a note early on in here. Dude, Jennifer Love Hewitt is then and now fucking drop dead gorgeous. Yeah, they like, both were. Easily one of my top like celebrity crushes. <laughs> She's an amazing actress and she is stunning. Every time I watch this movie and other stuff that she's in, mm-hmm. like just drop dead gorgeous. I'm not going to fight you on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no arguments for me, bro. <laughs> uh, so the note earlier that I was talking about, so we meet all our characters at the the 4th of July party. They're like, I guess they're graduating high school. Yeah. But they're also are all really fucked up at a party. Yeah. Like I out mean, in I, public. I... <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That was that was pretty public when everyone's getting yeah, shit but, faced like, when they're 18. It makes sense if you're like at a house party, but they're like out <laughs> on the docks and shit getting fucked up. So I was like, wait, are they going away to like, like, are they finishing college or something? No, it was, definitely no, it was high school. High school. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe fishing towns have some different rules there. I guess. Yeah. But uh, the note, so we meet them all at the party. They're going to go down. Did you catch what the name of the beach was? No, I didn't. Dawson's Beach. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Horror <laughs> Movie Night like pointed that out on their episode. I was like, no shit. And then I was rewatching this and I forgot about that. Oh, that's amazing. And Sarah Michelle Geller says, how about we go down to Dawson's Beach? <laughs> so they are very aware of what era this is coming out in. Yeah. Um. But then, so there was an off air. I told you there was a note that I looked down at my phone at and forgot the context of, and it made me laugh. Mm -hmm. They go down there. They're telling like, this is something that I grew up doing in California too, because you can do this in California. You can't do it here. You got Uh, shit faced on the beach when you were 10? No, you (laughs) could light fire pits on the beach. Oh yeah. They had little fire pit circles on the beach for you to Mm -hmm. like sit around and roast marshmallows and talk. I miss doing that. I don't know if you still can do it because I haven't been back to California, mm-hmm. but I grew up doing this. And again, one of my favorite things to do. And they're sitting around telling like scary stories and stuff. Again, just the nostalgia is real, man. Yeah. Um, But both couples sort of break off from each, like from one another and just go to make out and hook up. And the note that I forgot the context of was from Sarah Michelle Geller with Ryan Philippi, uh, they all sort of hook up on the beach and they go to get back in their car and they're all fucked up before the accident. And Ryan uh, Barry, who's like the asshole friend of the group, wants to do the driving, but they say no and they say, get in the back seat or whatever, I'll drive. And her line was, come in the back, I'll let you do things to me. <laughs> That's what you always want to hear. And I forgot the context of that until I looked down at my phone. <laughs> and all I saw on my phone was come in the back. I'll let you do things to me. <laughs> um, Love Kevin. <laughs> yeah, right. That is how I sign everything. <laughs> well, at, I, I wanted to point out something too. At that beauty pageant that Sarah Michelle Geller wins. Yep. 
dude, how nuts is Barry going? Like, <laughs> how excited can you be at a beauty pageant, bro? Yeah. <laughs> like, calm well, down. I love, the, I love too that they're talking about the size of her boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and but again, they're like eighteen. <laughs> yeah, but he's like her boyfriend though, and he's just totally cool, just like chatting with his uh, <laughs> with his buddy who's also yeah. in a relationship about the size of his girlfriend's boobs. Right in front of the other girlfriend. And she stops him, thankfully. <laughs> but uh, the pacing of this movie, we talked about this in Idle Hands where like they waste no time. Same deal here, man. We're like 10 minutes into the movie and they get into the accident that starts the whole plot. Yeah, and that, on that same point though, it's only been a couple minutes, but you feel like the characters have been developed enough that you're ready to get going into the plot. Yeah. They're talking about their dreams and what they're going to do post high school. And you're like, Oh, all these friends are going to stay together, but this one thing's going to tear them apart. And that's what I'm saying. It's like a nineties teen calm or not com not like calm, like com like comedic, but like sitcom, but yeah. with a slasher element. And this accident scene is still super tense when they hit this guy. It is. Cause you uh, I don't know about you, but I was thinking too, like, man, what would I have done? Because my friends and I, when we were 18, we always did dumb shit like this, like driving reckless and yep. whatever. So it, we could have easily hit somebody. I'm like, man, would I have done what they did? Yeah. Because I might have. It's <laughs> fucked. But so I will say I saw Scare Movie 1 before I saw I Know What You Did Last Summer. And Scare mm -hmm. Movie 1 parodies I Know What You Did Last Summer pretty heavily. So in my mind, before I saw this movie for the first time, I was thinking of scenes from from Scary Movie. <laughs> when they get into the accident in Scary Movie and they're looking around for what they hit, Buffy, Shannon Elizabeth, picks up a boot off the ground and picks up the boot and says, oh my God, we hit a boot. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and then her boyfriend's like, where's the foot? Uh, so it's oh very different God. watching like the serious take on that. But yeah, it's very tense when they hit this guy and they're looking around for the body uh, and they see him just bloodied on the ground and they're like, shit, we killed him. Yeah. And it's pretty messed up because then they shove him in the back of the trunk. Yep. Uh, but not <laughs> before a weird scene with uh, and I also said in my notes too that I said, dude, the 90s horror movies just have like the best openings. Yeah. Like, again, I'm hooked every time I rewatch this. I love this scene where they get into the accident and they're sitting around talking about what to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, they have a weird run in with Johnny Galecki, who I will always just know as Leonard from the Big Bang Theory. You know what? Oh, what did I look up that he was on that I know him from? Because I didn't watch Big Bang. Roseanne, God, maybe? When he was yes, there, when he was younger, boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I he shows up at the accident side and they're like, oh, Barry had too much to drink and he's off to the side vomiting, but it's just because he picked up the body. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But I said, not involved in the killings at all, Johnny, but Johnny Galecki is straight serial, kill serial killer attitude the whole time. He talks to them. Yeah, he's real creepy in this one. Yeah, he's like, Ray's like, hey, Max, what can I do for you? And he's like, you can wipe that shit, my shit don't stink look off your face, Ray. Like, he's so mean. Yeah, unreasonably so. Um, And he, like, really wanted a date with Julie, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's character, but she's, like, in a relationship already, and he knows that. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, dude? 
Dude's trying to make the steel right off him under the guy's nose. Yeah, I guess. But uh, yeah, no. So they decide they're going to dump the body and uh, just not speak of it anymore. Yeah. And um, man, when they dump him in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. First of all, that's just a freaky scene. Seeing like that uh, bloodied up body under the water. Yeah, dude, when he comes back alive and he grabs Sarah Michelle Gellar's crown off her head and then is just, like, staring up at them, like, evil-eyed at the bottom of the water. Yeah, terrifying jump scare. Yeah, that got me thinking, too. Like, how many bodies are in the ocean? <laughs> and I looked it up, and there were, there were estimates anywhere from, like, 10,000 to, like, 10 million. Oh, I'm never going in the ocean again. Right? But the <laughs> thing is that there's probably been millions of bodies in there but i guess like the predators like sharks and stuff down there they eat them so fast that a lot of times you'll just see like people's shoes oh that's very comforting <laughs> <laughs> there's um, actually this lake where i'm from it's called Raystown lake and i guess it's it floods like every every winter or summer but the opposite season you can go up there and you can see like all these buildings and bridges that are no longer underwater and then the season rolls in and they flood again so you could be swimming and go down and discover a house that always creeped me out yeah that's very that's very disturbing like there shouldn't be houses at the bottom of the lake (laughs) so (laughs) i have my answer and i kind of already spoiled it when i was talking about jennifer love hewitt who's Mm -hmm. your favorite of the four characters helen excuse me helen helen share that helen sarah michelle geller ray freddie prince jr Julie, Jennifer Love Hewitt, or Barry, Ryan Phillippe? Who's my favorite? Yeah, who's your favorite of the four? Mine's Julie. (laughs) Man, dude, I've always liked Freddie Prinze Jr. I thought he was a cool dude. Yeah, man. You know, he did writing for the WWE for a little bit, apparently. Yes, I did. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Probably adds to why I like him. Yeah, right? Uh, I believe this is the movie where Freddie Prinze and Sarah Michelle Gellar got together, right? Didn't they meet what? on this set and that's when they got together? No, nah, it sounds about right. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because they're not dating each other in the movie, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, they each are opposite. Um, also, casting wise, did you catch <laughs> this? This is a dated joke. Did you catch who plays uh, Helen, Sarah Michelle Gellar's older sister? What you would know her from? Uh, Billy Madison. True. And Mortal, and Mortal yeah, Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Yep, it's Sonya Blade. <laughs> Bridget Wilson is Sonya Blade. <laughs> that that original Mortal Kombat movie from 95, I watched that shit so much when it came when it came out. That was the first movie I saw in theaters was the original Mortal Kombat. No shit. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, someone brought a V... Maybe I didn't see it when it first came out because I might have been too young, but mm-hmm. in the late 90s when someone brought a VHS copy over copy of it over i watched that shit so much i still go back and watch that movie dude it kicks so much ass (laughs) it has such a good soundtrack yeah and And like like... the mortal kombat movie from 2021 was actually pretty good Mm -hmm. i don't know if i like it as much as the original maybe for nostalgia reasons but i love the campiness of that first one right i was just gonna say there's a cheese to it that you can't necessarily replicate like that yep but the, 2020, the 2021 one, I'll probably watch over Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh, dude, I thought Annihilation <laughs> rolled. Are you There's serious? So, 
dude, there's so many different characters in there. <laughs> the CGI is just garbage. Like, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, I saw it again. I saw it when I was younger and I was really into Mortal Kombat. So just to see those video game characters come alive on the screen. Yeah. Which is I mean, cool it, for me. It is still nostalgic. Um, I hate that Scorpion only gets like one scene in it, though. Yeah, same with Johnny Cage. He's in it for like a second and then he gets And it's a different out. actor and he gets killed. Yeah. <laughs> he did him double dirty. <laughs> and it's a different Raiden, too. <laughs> Luke Kang's the same, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same. Same, same katana. Th- uh, or wait, same Princess Katana. Same Luke Kang. Uh, but and then different Sonya Blade too. Like everybody mm. else got recast. Yo, did you ever watch? Man, this was like my golden era. There was WWE on from nine to eleven, mm-hmm. and then from eleven to twelve was the Mortal Kombat TV show, like the did live action one. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Oh my god, that was awesome. That shit was great. <laughs> <laughs> um uh good times. Uh can we speaking of 90s trends, by the way? Mm-hmm. I have a note in here and I was just talking with my mom about this the other day, and I said, ah yes, the 90s trend of adults wearing overalls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was with that? I don't know, man, but let's bring it back. <laughs> hey I'll, I'll let you start man you, you do it and i'll follow <laughs> yeah when when jennifer love hewitt shows up wearing adult overalls i was like man that's a time capsule they're kind of bringing the 90s look back like you see these girls with like the big high-waisted jeans and they're like yeah, baggy now and acid washed i don't like them as much i'll stick with my skinny jeans <laughs> yeah that's fair 2010 metal core all the way man <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm more nostalgic for the 90s trends though than the 2000s than the 2010s but i see where you're coming from i just think i don't know i just think skinny jeans look better at least on me yeah that's and fair. chicks <laughs> <laughs> chicks probably wear better let's be but honest. yeah when she showed up wearing the overalls i was like whoo that's a time capsule yeah yeah that was weird but so many people wore them i'm thinking back to like the shows i watched like everyone was rocking like the overalls Buffy the vampire this. slayer did too yeah <laughs> <laughs> Why was that a thing? I don't know, man. That's just where we were. But I'm here for it. <laughs> I love again, perfect time capsule of the '90s with the soundtrack, with the fashion, with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, also a brutal movie like Idle Hands. When Johnny Galecki gets that fishing hook through the fucking jaw, yeah. Because obviously we get the title card where uh they disperse and they're gone for a year they come back next summer and uh there's the you know the famous note saying i know what you did last summer um and they start suspecting various people and johnny galecki's first up because he was there that night right nope he's gonna get a fucking hook through the jaw yeah and it kind of catches you off guard too because this is one of the things i like about horror how it can be so many different things so we just watched idle hands and that's like a comedy horror right yeah. Now we're watching I Know What You Did Last Summer. And to me, I know it's a slasher movie, but to me, it feels more like a mystery than anything because mm-hmm. the whole time you're trying to figure out, okay, is this person connected with the guy they killed? Is it the guy they killed? Um, you're just trying to f- put all the pieces together. And the entire time, it just kind of keeps you guessing. And I really like that about this movie is it felt more like a mystery. So when the kills and the violence do happen, it feels more out of left field than it normally would if it was just a straight up hey here's hook man coming to kill you 
Yeah, I love whodunit slashers, and I wish they were still more of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually envious of the 80s when that was like at its peak of whodunit slashers. Um, but yeah, I, I love like, have you seen Thanksgiving yet? Eli Roth's new movie? No, but I was watching like a top 10 movie horror movies that came out in 2020. 2020 what year are we in? <laughs> I was watching a thing of the top 10 horror movies that came out in 2023 and that was on it. And they pretty much explained the whole plot. So I know what it is. It's so good, dude. Oh, wait. So, you know, like all the plot details. Yeah, I know who the killer is. Oh, that sucks, man. <laughs> you still should watch it, though. It's great. Yeah, see, spoilers don't bother me. It's like, okay. I know, well. but with the slasher, like the whodunit, like I mm-hmm. rushed out to see Scream 6 in the theaters because I knew that the internet would start posting shit about it to ruin who the killer was. Right. And sure enough, within like a day, I scrolled through something and it was like, I like the, here's my ranking of all the killers uh, from all the movies. Oh. So I was like, fuck, man. So I rushed out to the theater. Like, <laughs> that's the whole point of a whodunit slasher is that you're not supposed to know who it is. Right. I mean, I, I'm sure I'll still enjoy it because I do want to see. I'll probably watch it this coming Thanksgiving. Yeah, dude, do it up. It's definitely getting added to my yearly list for sure. Mm. Okay, um, good recommendation. But yeah, man, so Johnny Galecki gets a hook through the jaw, which is uh, quite the jump scare too because the, the fisherman's like hiding behind the steam and the in the thing that they're in. I love the look of this killer, by the way, the fisherman killer. Yeah, I I thought that too. He's he's so different, but he could be so common at the same time. And they kind of get into that at the parade scene in this. But it's just the fact that a guy's wearing this weird fisherman's outfit and it's buttoned up so high you can't that you see. can't see his face. Yeah. Yeah. It the, just leaves that air of mystery to it. And funny point about that. In the movie, they call it a slicker, the mm-hmm. jacket that he's wearing, right? Have you heard people say that outside of this movie? Because I started calling raincoat slickers, and everybody that heard me say it was like looking at me like I was super weird. No, I haven't heard it used out of here or outside of the movie. I just figured it was a term for those fisherman coats. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> hey pal just, that's a nice slicker you have on that it's a cool term <laughs> you know uh but yeah i love that honestly this movie's fairly grounded up until like probably the end yeah that's where i have questions <laughs> <laughs> oh that's right we need to put a pin in that you said you had some plot questions and we'll get to that i do um, i like this movie but i do have questions okay i'll see if i can help answer <laughs> i've seen this a few times now so was this your first time watch? Or no, you saw this earlier on, right? Yeah, I don't think this is my first time. It's like I said, I watched... Had you seen it like in a while though? Or like recently <laughs> before this watch? No, it honestly might as well have been my first time because like I said, it's probably been at least at least 20 years since I've seen okay. this thing. So kind of like rewatching it again for the first time? Pretty much. I didn't remember a whole lot of anything. Gotcha. Um, I will say I didn't expect Barry to live when he got run over by the car and smashed through the wall when he got attacked right? by the killer. Like, I don't think he'd be getting back <laughs> up from that. Yeah, what? He got hit by the car, then the car drove him through basically a building and he flies off and doesn't shit explode too? Uh, I think shit collapses at the very least. <laughs> Dude's like the super shredder. <laughs> and he's just got some scrapes and cuts in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, his face is a little banged up. It's like, dude, you'd have like a collapsed lung. Get out of it's here. It's like Monty Python, like, tis but a flesh wound. 
there's a little bit of scream influence in here, like I said. Uh, in particular, when they start to look it up, they Julie determines that the guy that they hit is David Egan, who's like mm -hmm. just a local guy. Um, and but they start doing like research on him, and she's like, "Oh, he's got a sister that lives in town. Let me go see her." And when they go, they live like out in the middle of nowhere. The sister does. And when they go to the house, Sarah Michelle Geller, Helen says uh, something like, you know, we're just going to go knock on the door. What if they're waiting for us to kill us? And she's like, we're just going to go talk to him. And Helen says, you know, Jodie Foster knocked on the door and a serial killer answered. You know, that that, that... that felt very or very screamed to me. <laughs> Yeah, because is that an allusion to Silence of the Lambs? It is, yes. Okay. <laughs> With Buffalo Bill, yeah. <laughs> uh, they also say something like, it could be the sibling, you know, or something like that. And like usually mm -hmm. in sequels, it's like a sibling or a, a relative of the previous killer. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit of scream in, Screamisms in there, but I'm here for it. I like Scream. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with it. And <clears throat> like we talked about, it was kind of cool in that time period to do stuff like that. So Yeah. Um, but they talk to the sister and they think that they killed this guy, David Egan, who had, they, they drop early that he had a fiance. Um, and there was like a drunk driving accident or something where I don't quite understand the logistics, but somehow she ended up in her car and drowned in the car because of a crash, but he was unharmed. Mm -hmm. Um, so they just assume, oh, we hit David Egan. He was out there to basically to die because his fiance died. And he was just kind of suicidal. Um, so I think we're up to speed at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they think they hit the brother. Okay. And she dropped she drops the name Barry Blue, was a friend of his. Uh that was Billy Blue, yeah. Billy Blue. What'd I say? Barry Blue? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a serious Barry's Barry's the name of the uh, the uh, one uh, asshole friend, yeah. Yes, the Letterman guy. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we start to get a lot of scenes of the killer just kind of messing with everyone. Uh, that another really tense scene is when Helen's in her house and doesn't know that the killer's like upstairs. But how we, creepy! But we see him walk up the stairs and see him round the corner as she's oblivious to it. Yeah, that was a that was a creepy scene when you just see the coat walking through the door she's coming through the other one so she can't see him but you're like ah oh, no exactly um helen's sister is also like unnecessarily mean to her i don't understand why she's so mean <laughs> like what i took from it is that she was jealous of her because okay. she won like the beauty pageant she's always messing with her hair she's always like yeah your hair is dumb and then leaves and that's why I took. She was jealous. Were we, were we supposed to think that her sister was the killer because her sister said, "You and your hair, pathetic." And then the very next attack is Helen gets her hair cut up. That might have been a red herring. I thought it was just foreshadowing. Yeah, I wondered if we were supposed to take that as like a red, like a red herring, meaning like maybe her sister could have been in on it for some reason. Maybe they did that for a second, but I, I watching this basically for the, for the first time. I you never got buy, the you feeling. You didn't buy it at all? No. That's fair. One thing, too, that's cool about the killer, how he looks, is he looks like a he would be something out of a New England myth. Yeah. Like, you would think he'd be somebody that washed up on shore from a fishing boat accident. I think that adds to him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the best reveal in the movie 
is the scare that happens with Julie. Cause we've had the car attack. We've had the hair cut up. So now Julie's got to have something happen to her. Uh, Ray's kind of been like off the grid. Cause I think we're supposed to suspect him for a lot of the movie, which I never do. Yeah. Um, but the I think the best reveal in the movie is Julie's driving her car and is hearing some sort of clicking sound, pulls over, opens up her trunk, and the body of Max covered in crabs is in the trunk. Yeah, this is one of the things I had questions about. Okay. <laughs> so it may it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, I don't think. And I think that's where you're gonna go with it, but I love this reveal of the body. Yeah, I liked it too. I thought the visuals were great in it. However, if this, if we're to believe the killer is just a guy that's alive getting revenge, how does he have these supernatural powers to like teleport and hide <laughs> I knew you bodies, were say that. you know, and put people in trunks and take him and all the crabs out with no evidence after that? And he that. also manages to drive the trunk. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the undertaker with all these powers. It's like, <laughs> man. Yeah. That, that is a, a big plot hole. Yeah, I feel um, like I feel like they either need to make him a straightforward, hey, I lived and I'm getting revenge on you assholes, or make him dead and supernatural now. It's like they couldn't decide which way they wanted to go with it. So if you watch, I will or wait, there's I know what you did last summer, then there's I still know what you did last summer, and then there's I'll always know what you did last summer. If you want to see them do a supernatural take on it, watch that third one. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, it's a bad movie. <laughs> None of the original cast comes back. It's fucking low budget as hell. It's a terrible movie. Wasn't it made almost 10 years later too? In like the mid 2000s? Yeah, it was like 06. <laughs> but they make the fisherman a, an urban legend and make him a ghost. I like the idea. Just not executed well? It's, it's bad. <laughs> it's, it's badly acted. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, now there is another part later on and I'll jump ahead for this for a second while we have a pin in this, there is a mm -hmm. part where Helen is being chased by the killer, right? The fisherman mm -hmm. and very Halloween. Like he's closing in on her when she's locked outside of her family store. Yeah. She's yelling at her sister to unlock the door and the killer's like a couple feet away. By the time the door opens, her sister doesn't notice the killer at all. And the killer's just gone. Yeah, there's that. I was thinking too, like, why wasn't her sister in more of a hurry to help her? That's like, what I'm saying, man. She sucks. She's so mean. <laughs> you know, if like my brother right now was banging on my door, like, Roy, let me in, I'd be like, oh shit, I should probably go help this guy. But what she's like, ugh, let me get the key. And it's like this girl's clearly in a panic. You can probably see the guy behind her in a trench coat. Yeah, there's a there's an instance like this in the original Strangers too, if you've seen that. Oh, man, it's been a while, but yeah, I remember liking that movie. It's a great movie, but there's a part where one of the strangers, like, taps the husband or the fiancé, the man on the shoulder, mm -hmm. and then he turns around immediately, and they're gone. They're, like, nowhere to be found. It's like, just make him supernatural if you're going to do that shit. Yeah, that's, like, the one time that movie cheats. Dude, you know uh, an awesome movie that's like that one? Mm. Is uh, Your Next. Oh, I love Your Next. Oh, that movie is so, good. so cool. Um, but, uh, Barry jumps to quite a conclusion in here. He's like, Ray, you have a slicker. You're a fisherman. You're the killer. 
Yeah, it's like two two out of a hundred things add up. Yeah, now. we're He's in a killer. town full of fishermen, but you have a slicker, <laughs> so you're the killer. <laughs> um, I have a note in here that says least sympathetic cops ever, because after Barry gets killed up in the balcony, they just do not believe Helen at all. Yeah, because it goes back to what I was saying, like that the dude hid the body and got away so quick, like yeah, the cops I mean, didn't see anything. Exactly. But we go a while without a without a death, but he finally kills Barry during the the year later beauty pageant. And the person running the pageant's like, oh, we'll need this crown back. Here, let me take you home. And then he's like, I heard it was like an urban legend. And I'm like, you guys are such douchebags. I was going to say more people being unnecessarily mean. Yep. What um, an awful town. <laughs> I know, right? No wonder she wanted to move out. Uh, but yeah, I do love that scene at the parade though, where they're trying to lure out mm. the killer and they see everybody wearing slickers. So there's really not nothing they can do to distinguish it. Yeah. I really like that as well. It was, um, man, it was, it was reminiscent of Halloween too, where you see the, <laughs> oh, what's his name? Bill, Billy Tamborelli or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Dressed as Michael Myers. It's mm-hmm. like anybody could be him. But, uh. So Barry gets killed. We got to start, you know, dropping some of the characters. Um, Bill or Billy. Uh, Barry gets killed, and then Helen gets chased by the killer because he the killer creates a roadblock of sorts, and the cop has to get out and investigate. And the cop gets killed. That's transporting her home. Uh, and then she gets chased for a good few minutes. Again, I did say it is super tense, like in Halloween, where the fisherman's coming up on Helen when she's trying to get in the door. But again, it makes no sense that the sister wouldn't see it there or wouldn't see this giant man with a coat coming up to the door. Um, I did also say you can never go wrong with the mannequin scare where the killer's hiding as one of the mannequins in the store. Yeah, that's a classic one. I always like that. Mannequins I never are just get, weird. Yeah, I never get tired of that scene, man. It just puts me on edge all the time whenever the people do that. I love it. You know, a good uh, scary mannequin thing is the episode of The Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Do you know which one I'm talking about? No, because I haven't seen a lot of The Twilight Zone episodes, so. I won't ruin it for you then, but there's a good episode of The Twilight Zone involving mannequins, and I'll leave it at that. Is this the original <laughs> iteration from like the 50s? Oh, yeah. That's the only one I've seen. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Um, and then I said, super disheartening that Helen gets killed like so close to the parade crowd. Like she almost yeah. makes it and then she dies. Yeah, because the band is like within feet of her. Um, so that's that's pretty sad to see. And then kind of the only person left to suspect is Ray. Uh, they they sent they went back to the sister of David Egan and they spent this whole time trying to like figure out who Billy Blue was, right? Mm-hmm. Because she keeps saying we had a I had a lover for a while named Billy Blue who came to like pay his respects. They think it's Billy Blue that's the killer but they also don't know anything about Billy Blue. Um, so there's kind of a Friday the 13th scenario here. This isn't really a murder mystery that you can solve because they do... Na- so essentially, the killer is Ben Willis. Mm-hmm. And he is the father of the girl, the fiancé that was killed, David Egan's fiancé. So David Egan had a fiance. Uh, I cannot remember her name, but he had a fiance with Susie. The last... Susie, yes. 
He had a David Egan had a fiance, Susie Willis. There was a car accident. Susie drowned because of that car accident. David was unharmed. Ben is Susie's father and went to go kill David. And he did kill David. So they never actually hit David. They hit Ben when he had like just finished killing David, apparently. Mm -hmm. And now he's not, he's not going after them because of anything that happened with Susie. He's going after them because they left him for dead. Um, Did you like it that it was something like that? A character we hadn't been introduced to, or you would have preferred it to be a more <laughs> solvable one? Why am I slurring uh, my words? <laughs> a more solvable one with like a character that had been in the movie. Um, I'm not really bothered by it. I know a lot of people have that gripe with Friday the 13th that you can't figure out who the killer is because Mrs. Voorhees doesn't show up until the last like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I'm not bothered by it because I don't think the movie's like fully portrayed as a whodunit story. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's more focused on the teens than the killer. The killer's just kind of in the background. Yeah. So I wasn't really bothered by it. But if you're going in watching this movie wanting to try to figure out who it is, you can't figure it out because she never says anything about Ben until later. Yeah, I think for me it was a little bit of a letdown. Like, it wasn't necessarily make or break, but it was more like, oh, they just kind of threw this guy in here to be the killer. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it would have been a little more impactful if the murderer was one of the teens or the sister herself somebody yeah. that we had seen along the way that's like oh damn it was them the whole time yep but uh so yeah ben willis gets introduced and then he we think it's roy though or roy ray what about me yeah we think it's roy <laughs> you were the killer uh no we think, it's, we think it's ray though because the name of ray's boat is billy blue so that was like his alias that he was using yeah so that's another question i have okay is ray billy blue Yes, he is. Yes, so, so he had a, he had a romance with uh, the sister. So then, if he graduated in the class of ninety two, and this is the class of ninety seven, this dude's like five years older than all of them. Yes, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So I mean, which would which I... would make her the sister like ten years older than Ray, because she yes. said she graduated in class of eighty eight. Yes. So she'd be four years older or she'd be four years. She'd be four years older than her brother because her brother graduated ah. in 92. If Ray graduated in 97, then she's like nine years older than Ray. Oh, so they, okay. See, I thought they, that Billy blue and the brother graduated the same year in 92. No. Okay. Yeah. So Ray was Billy Blue. He graduated in '97 and then had like a weird romance somehow with, I guess it was like a comfort relationship. Yeah. But then he also like cut ties with her, which is kind of mean. <laughs> so he he knew he knew uh, the Egans all he, along. He wanted to find out who it was, so he found out that it was David Egan, David Egan as well. Because they uh -huh. found David's body. Right. So much like Julie, da or Ray just assumed, oh yeah, it's David that we killed. So he right. wanted to go find out about him and pay his respects. And he started a relationship with the sister. And, and he then said he was Billy Blue that, and that he was this guy's friend. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay, so it was, like a, it was like a cover up for him to find out more about who they hit. 
Because he's gotcha. he later on at the end of the movie says the guilt was killing me. I had to know who he was. Okay. Well, thanks uh, for clearing that up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of confusing. There's one part that kind of confused me, but they did address it. Um, because when they when they hit the guy at the beginning, Julie says he had Susie's name tattooed on his arm. Yeah. And I thought they were going to leave that dangling for a second. But then they said, but then his sister, David's sister says he doesn't have a tattoo. Mm -hmm. So that was like the misdirect that, oh, it's not David. Yeah. Um, there was also a scene where they show the note that Ben sent to David where it says, uh, I'll never forget last summer. Mm -hmm. Or something along those lines. Um, so when but I thought they were going to like just drop the tattoo thing. I'm like, so do they both have tattoos of Susie's name on her arm? But that Ben has her name tattooed on him because he's the father. Yes. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of moving parts, which makes it an interesting movie. Yeah, it's. I think that's why it doesn't bother me that yeah. you can't really figure out who the killer is because it's kind of an intricate story to follow. Yeah, I was going to say it the moving pieces definitely make it more intriguing but at the same time i feel like it's a little too much it can be like i had no idea what the fuck was happening the first time i watched it <laughs> like i feel like i was able to piece together most of it by and large to get the whole story yeah but then there's just little details like that <clears throat> where i'm like wait what 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 happened there what happened here and, and maybe that's for the better i know we it talked is. about yeah, we're leaving that little era mystery in your horror movies. Right. It is kind of confusing and kind of weird that they set up all this stuff with Susie, but that's not why Ben is trying to kill them. It's basically like I murdered someone and then you guys accidentally almost murdered me, mm -hmm. but didn't help me. So I'm going to come after you, but I'm also a bad person, you know? Yeah. And was he was the killer the body they dumped or did they dump uh, Egan's body? They dumped Ben's body. So Ben okay. had just like killed David. Yes. Revenge for his daughter. Mm -hmm. So that's why they found David's body, because Ben would have killed him right. and also set his body adrift, apparently. Mm hmm. David or no excuse me Ben was walking in the street after having just killed him apparently and that that's who they hit okay and he just like rolled off the hill or whatever he just kind of disappeared so yeah so Ben like just kind of let David's body go Ben was walking along the street after just doing that and mm -hmm. then Ben got hit and that's who they thought that they killed gotcha so because they found the body of David Right, but they're thinking they killed David because they found David's body. Right. But they're not understanding that David was already dead when they hit Ben. Okay. So yeah, okay. it's kind of, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> no, I get it now. And, and I'm also just kind of assuming that he just killed David like that night because they said he died a year ago. So I'm assuming that all just kind of happened mm -hmm. in one night. That's what I got from it too. I got that the dad killed David. I just wasn't sure where that happened of who they hit and who they found. That yeah, was a little so, murky to me. So the, the person that they hit and dumped was Ben. Yes. Because later on at the end of the movie in the final showdown, he says, if you leave a man for dead, make sure he's really dead. Okay. 
Uh, although I think they make it pretty clear he's not dead because he opens his eyes underwater and then he just kind of like, and then just kind of like <laughs> stares up at them when they drop his body. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then we get kind of the final battle. It's Ray and Julie versus uh, Ben Willis. Um, I do like this reveal where he's, you know, saying like, you know, it's unfortunate. It's 4th of July. You should be out partying, getting wasted, running people over and leaving them for dead. And then you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Well, I liked, too, whenever they're just facing off against him. He just looks like a regular dude. I think that yeah, adds he drops to... Yeah, he drops the slicker. Mm-hmm. I think it adds to it. It makes it seem like mm-hmm. a more believable uh, killer because he's just mm-hmm. a normal dude walking around. And, so that know. so that does... This isn't a scream scenario where we have two killers. There's only one. So, Ray, right. we can rule out he's not the killer. <clears throat> um. And then we have a chase scene on the boat on Billy Blue, I believe. Uh, it is kind of happenstance that Ben's hand just gets caught in the little rope thing. Mm, yeah. Uh, oh, you the know sail. what? Before that, I said, I feel like that mast rope to the face would have knocked Ben out for longer. Oh, God, right? When he got hit with the, like, hanging no. mechanism. I feel yeah. like that would have knocked him out for, like, an hour at least. Oh, yeah. Probably would have cracked his skull. Those things are heavy. But he just gets right back up after like 30 seconds because it's a slasher. Well, he's got those Undertaker powers, man. Is he supernatural or not? Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, so it's Ray and Julie versus him. And there's they go through all the sets. There is the body reveal. She's climbing in the ice in the fissure in the That boat, was cool. And you see the two bodies in there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was nice and gross. That was. I like that scene a lot. But yeah, kind of happenstance that he just gets his hand caught in the ropes like in the mm. mast or whatever, and then just gets yanked up. Ray's just like, his hand's caught. Let me yank him up. And his hand gets cut off. Yeah. Yeah. And then he falls what into the ocean. Yeah. He falls off the boat. Would that kill you? I know he lost a hand, so he's going to be bleeding, but would that kill you? Oh, man. I mean, he had some velocity hitting the water. And when you hit it going fast, like it feels like smacking in the concrete. Okay. I don't know if maybe, it... maybe he got knocked out. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I don't, but like if you get your hand cut off at the wrist, like that's where a lot of arteries and veins are, man. Like, yeah. You're, you're bleeding pretty good. Yeah. But they also, I mean, I guess they left it open ended because we get set up for a sequel at the end. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I said, ah, oh, yes, the sequel, this is where the, the realism of the movie kind of breaks mm-hmm. that Julie's in a dorm uh, talking to Ray. They move on. Uh, they feel free because they never actually killed anyone like they thought they did. Can I uh, say this is another part I have a problem with? <laughs> oh, go for it. So when the movie is in its second act and she's at college and she's all down and out and she's having all these issues because she thinks she killed a guy, like her life is wrecked, right? Because yeah. they think they killed a guy that they didn't even know. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're a year later, not only have they killed the guy again, (laughs) but she's watched all of her friends die around her. And she's happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Yeah, this is like Laurie Strode in Halloween Ends, like her daughter dies like four (laughs) years earlier, and then she's celebrating Halloween by making pies. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't follow like the character's reactions. No. It's like she was... But they want to end on the fake out ending, so I'll, I'll give it that, you know. 
she's she's talking romantic on the phone and says great things like don't you start with me ray you mister can ravage me in a couple weeks <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah so they set up the sequel uh i do like this fake out here where she sees a note on the table mm. from her roommate and we think it's another note saying i know what you did last summer i did like that and it's just an invite to a pool party and then she goes back into the shower and it's written in the in the steam on the door saying I still know. Mm-hmm. Or I still know. Uh and then, you know, she looks around and the the fisherman jumps out at her, and that's the yeah, end. Crashes right through the door, right? Yeah, pretty much. God, that's dramatic. And we hear a scream <laughs> and we cut and we cut to we cut to end credits. Um, well now I'm now I'm curious how they start. I still know what you did last summer. Like, I think they, I think they chalk that up to like PTSD. I was gonna say, do they start that out like it was all? Yeah, a dream I or think something? so. It's been. I've only seen. I still know what you did last summer once. I have like the box set of all three movies. Oh, nice. Uh, I'll watch. I'll always know what you did last summer. It's just really dumb and it's a bad movie, but I'll watch it because it's entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple like that. It's absolutely the worst of the three, but it's kind of like one that I still appreciate. There's always something that I can appreciate in most every movie. So sure. <clears throat> it's still part of the franchise. It's still enjoyable. So mm-hmm. it's it's a bad movie. Don't go in with high expectations. <laughs> but watch the the sequel's dumb, but it's like actually still kind of entertaining, and it's nice to see some of the old characters again. Yeah, it is cool. They got the cast back, or at least yeah. I like... mean, yeah, I mean, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Ron Phillippe are dead, but they got Jennifer right. Love Hewitt and and um, Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. back. Was it the same roommate too? Because I know she was in the first one for like a second. Uh, I can't remember. I think it might just be an all new group of friends. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think they chalk it up to PTSD is how that second one opens. I could be wrong, but, um, but I have as my ending note on here, is it a great movie? No, but is it a fun movie that I'll revisit a bunch? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, I enjoyed watching it, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, yeah, it's a little, it's a little confusing. Yeah, and I I think that works for it and against it. I had a fun time trying to figure out what exactly was going on, who the killer was. Um, But then there's certain things in there that (laughs) I'm not one to poke holes in things, but I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) You know, if if this guy doesn't have supernatural powers, how's he putting the dude in the trunk with the crabs? How's he disappearing and reappearing? Um, Just little stuff like that. It definitely didn't ruin it for me or anything. It was just kind of like, yeah, wonder how that happened. Yeah. Overall, yeah, I mean, I I think that's a that's a fair assessment. It's not great, but I mean, it's at the same time, it's still kind of iconic, right? Like this is yeah, one man. of those like this is one of those iconic horror movies of the '90s. Mm-hmm. Like I would put this right up there with Scream. I mean, again, like I said, I remember this being everywhere. It was spoofed. It was and they even spoofed it on uh, The Simpsons. Ned yeah. Flanders. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. If you're gonna study like the 90s decade of horror you have to throw this one in there i think i think it's quintessential 90s horror yeah was uh, was a ghost ship 99 or 2000 i think that was 2000 which is kind of like 90s 2.0 yeah because when i was watching this just like the whole ocean and the fisherman i'm like man this is kind of remind me of ghost ship which by the way has one of the best opening sequences i know people we <laughs> talk about that quite a bit we should cover that movie yeah you guys should that's a, that's a good one man well i we'll have to bring you back for that 
Uh, but uh, before we before we get out of here, uh, should we talk a little bit about the bands that are on this soundtrack? I would love to. This so, one I wasn't as familiar with as Idle Hands, so give me the rundown. Uh, so a lot of bands I don't know on here, like Kula Shaker, hmm. but they have a really good cover of that song "Hush," the the one that plays in the end credits. Yeah. Okay. That's really fun. Typo Negatives on here with Summer Breeze. Yep. The Offspring is on here with the song DUI, which is like a B-side and only available on this soundtrack. That's pretty cool when, yeah. when that happens, when you have a band that makes a song for a movie or that only appears in certain places. Dude, adds, the, uh, dude the Offspring were one of my like earliest musical loves. That record, Americana, I mentioned it on the last mm-hmm. episode, is such a good album. I listened to it so much as a kid. Yeah, I mean, that's the one where they really got popular. Like, their other ones had gotten them attention gotten them success but i know when that came out that's when the offspring was like <laughs> yeah that song why don't you get a job uh-huh my friend's got a girlfriend and he hates that bitch yeah and it's got like that cool caribbean <laughs> beat to it yeah man uh l7 on here they're pretty decent they're like a riot girl band i think is how people describe it like kind of mm. like female fronted punk rock band which is awesome okay <clears throat> uh soul asylum which has a, oh my a lot God. of good songs. <laughs> Soul Asylum. Boy, Toad. that's a blast from the past. Yeah. Toad the Wet Sprocket. Nah, nah uh, I'm not familiar. Southern Culture on the Skids. Uh, Our Lady Peace, man. Hmm. No, I'm not familiar with them either. Oh, check out. Our, I was super late to them as well. Check out their album, Clumsy. Okay. Kind of like in the, like they are summed up as uh, post-grunge. That's right. how people talk about it. So kind of like in the vein of the Foo Fighters or um, the Smashing Pumpkins or bands like that. Gotcha. Um, Adam Cohen on here. I don't really know much by him, but that song don't mean anything that plays when they're driving through the the woods to go to the sister's house is pretty good. Oh, yeah. And uh, we mentioned them off air, but Corn is the last <laughs> song on the soundtrack. I recognized it was them, but I didn't recognize the song. Yeah, it's a song called Proud. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one, but I mean, I know Corn. <laughs> yeah, those are some bands to highlight. But yeah, dude, I love. I don't know, man, like the I know what you did last summer soundtrack almost feels more nostalgic to me than Idle Hands. I think it's because it's hmm. earlier 90s stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I think I know what you did last summer of all those soundtracks I listened to from Horror Movie Nights covering mm-hmm. of them which I mentioned in the last episode, I think I know what you did last summer is my favorite. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, just going off these two, I would go with idle hands and that's just because I was close to being a teenager around that time. I remember watching it with my older siblings and just listening to all that music back then, you know, it had the offspring, it had Rob zombie, it had Motley Crue and just getting into all that stuff. Um, So for me, idle hands would be the more nostalgic there right so oh and and i wanted to bring up too the i know what you did (laughs) thank (laughs) the i know what you did last summer uh score was really good too yeah right i love the music in this like i love when the fisherman appears and it's like that creepy music box playing or i know there's scenes when it's real tense like the music just has this air of dread about it i thought the Mm -hmm. score was really amazing in this one absolutely uh yeah, I'm a sucker for horror scores, so um I think this is a great one. Uh horror scores, not horror scores. 
<laughs> now what's a horse score? Is that like ho soccer? Horror score and seven years ago. <laughs> uh, no, horror scores. Um, now, one thing I will shout out, like I mentioned, listen to Horror Movie Night with their soundtracking episodes. I think the one you'll probably enjoy the most is their Dracula 2000 soundtracking episode. <laughs> okay. Because let me read the bands that are on this soundtrack. I'll actually read out every one of them. Oh, boy. Power Man 5000. <laughs> Already a winner. <laughs> Disturbed. Oh, Slayer. <laughs> I'm liking this. System of a Down. Nice. Monster Magnet. Oh, man, really? <laughs> Godhead featuring Marilyn Manson. Godhead. Man, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'd probably know. I'd probably know if I heard one of their songs. Yeah, featuring Marilyn Manson. Okay. Uh, Lincoln Park. Oh, oh, right here. With with one step closer, by the way. One step closer to the edge. Pantera. Damn. Static X. Them again? <laughs> head PE or Head Planet Earth? Oh my god. Is that what is that what the PE stands for Planet Earth? I think so, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, no, that's what it says um or wait no it says standing for higher education planet earth yeah hmm um i never see. knew it meant anything i just thought <laughs> it was a weird title taproot yeah i've heard them i can't remember anything about it but yeah i've definitely heard that name endo endo um flybanger <laughs> no but i like that name <laughs> Half cocked, uh -uh. and saliva. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> with the best, with the best, like, like white boy rap ever. Is it a uh, click, click, boom? No, it's your disease. Oh, and it starts off it? literally like a. <laughs> <laughs> God, saliva, man. There was this. There was a time from like 2001 to 2005 where WWE just used their music on every pay-per-view. Yeah, the first time I heard of them was WrestleMania 23 when they had uh, <laughs> Ladies and Gentlemen as the theme song. Yep. He's a I'm... gentleman. Mm -hmm. Bob, do you want it? Bob, do you, do need, you it? need it? Let me hear it. <laughs> the first time I heard them, it was on a, a Dragon Ball Z movie. And they had done a song. <laughs> on. They had done, I think it was... Uh, <sighs> I think it might have been Superstar as well, but they just played like the first 30 seconds of it where oh, it's like dude. real heavy. I wish my fucking phone would let you hear the start of this. I can cut this out, but <laughs> I just, the the it, the beginning of this saliva song. Yeah, it literally opens with the... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, that's, uh, that's I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, thanks for joining me for this uh, duo of 90s horror picks. Yeah, thanks for picking them out and having me on. This was a, uh, it was a fun night of watching them for sure. Yeah, man, and a little precursor to uh, probably some conversations that we're gonna have on Metalholics Anonymous. Yeah, looking forward to that, man. Yeah, man. So keep an eye out. We're gonna get that up and running as soon as possible. But Roy will be back as always on Midnight Terrors. He's him and Zach are basically like official co-hosts at this point. Oh, I love that. Uh, you guys are <laughs> Thank you, back. Yeah, man. You guys are back on all the time. So always happy. Um, yeah, always love doing it. Always love hanging with you guys. So 
Man, Anytime, it's gonna just be a give great, me a shout. It's going to be a great 2024 with y'all. I'm looking forward to it. But you want to plug your socials once more before we get out of here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Amazon. Just type in my name, R. Jacob Honeybrook. There you can find all of my books. I have four out now. The latest one is New Year's Killing Eve. It's a short story, so go check that out. Uh, if you want to find me on social media, I'm just a one-stop shop over at Instagram at author underscore Honeybrook. And there you can see all the ridiculousness I get into. Find a link to my Amazon page with my books. And that is it for me. Thank you, Kevin. And Roy, we know what you did last summer. We know who you did last summer. Oh, God, get the list. <laughs> uh, Roy, thanks for joining me, brother. Always a blast. We'll have you back on very soon. And I can't wait. Everybody go check out his work and follow him on social media. Uh, New Year's Kill and Eve, high recommend. It is worth your time. And uh, get in touch with us, Midnight Terrors Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Shoot us an email at midnightterrorspodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our Tee Public store on our link tree on Instagram where you can get shirts, hoodies, and stickers for Midnight Terrors. Uh, you can join our Facebook group and come talk some horror with us and all of our amazing horror-loving friends in the group. Horror-loving friends in the group. And uh, be on the lookout for many more episodes to come. I believe there's going to be a third episode dropping this same day with Mr. ZC Kroll, hopefully. Uh, so uh, be on the lookout. But this is a Midnight Terrors podcast. We'll see you all again soon. Peace. Peace.